this is a wonderful city to live in. But I think this is a really challenging time for us as a city. We, we have to figure out what role we're going to play in the energy transition. But we truly, truly have to change. This isn't about greenwashing and giving it lip service. I think we have an opportunity to be leaders in this space, use our smart technical knowledge to really make the impact and the difference. Welcome to the Joe Momo Presents podcast. This is the Calgary Leader Series. Let's start the show. Hello, podcast. I'm really excited to have my next guest on. She's the president and CEO of a company here in Calgary that's trying to lead clean air technology. And they're doing a great job. Welcome to the podcast, Audrey. Thank you, Joe. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, so let's just dive right into it. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and uh, yeah, what Questcore does. Okay, so Questor has been passionate about emissions for over 25 years. We have amazing patented technology that allows us to take any waste gas stream and make sure it's cleanly combusted at 99.99% efficiency. Why that's important in this day and age is we know that one of the products from poor combustion is methane leaking into the atmosphere. And because methane's 86 times worse than CO2, it has a big impact on climate change. But in addition, what we do is important because we're making sure that no harmful pollutants go into the air that impact people's health. In addition, we think that there's an enormous opportunity to do something good with all this waste heat. So we're focused on taking that waste heat. And it, it not only comes from our equipment when we burn waste gas, but from other, other industrial processes, we can convert that into power. And the nice part with that power is it has zero emissions, has a small footprint. It doesn't need the wind or the sun, no, air earth, no rare earth minerals, and our battery is really simple. It's a hot water tank. And we have an abundance of low-grade waste heat that we waste all over the planet. So those two things have the opportunity to cost-effectively reduce our temperature rise and deal with greenhouse gas emissions. So we're the low-hanging fruit. Wow. To solve this dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now, I see that you've been the president and CEO at Questor for over 20 years. Uh, perhaps you could take us back how you got to where you are today. I'm sure you have lots of experience and golden nuggets, I like to call it, uh, to share with the listeners. So funnily enough, I didn't start my career as an entrepreneur or in clean tech. I, I started my career in the oil and gas industry. And as a young engineer, I just graduated. Um, I have a bachelor in chemical engineering and a master's in petroleum. And I started work for a company called Gulf Canada Resources. And they were amazing because they gave me a chance to work through many, many different departments. I started as a reservoir engineer. They moved me to production, to operations, to facilities. In 1991, they sent me to Russia. And I negotiated one of the first joint ventures in the collapse Soviet Union. In 1999, I decided to retire and be a stay-at-home mom. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And I thought my six-year-old daughter has already spent a third of the time she's going to spend with me. And I've just assumed I couldn't be a stay-at-home mom. 
And I said, when she's 16, it'll be too late for me to say, oh, I wish I hadn't worked so much. So I retired. I had an amazing summer with my kids. But in September, I went, oh, my goodness, what have I done? And I decided that I, I needed to come back to work. But I felt that I had been so amazingly lucky, both in my career, but also in my life. I actually was born in Nakuru, Kenya, a tiny little town in East Africa, one of four girls in an East Indian family. And the first thing my grandmother said to my parents was, oh, my goodness, you'll never be able to afford the dowry. So I truly believe I'm very blessed to have not only got to come to Canada, get the education I have, have the career I have. So when I came back, I decided I wanted to give back because someone gave me all these amazing gifts. And the area that I wanted to focus on was emissions, getting rid of flaring and venting because I'd put in flares. I'd been at sites with black smoky flares. And I really felt as an industry, we could do better. Absolutely. And here in Calgary, obviously, we're a very big oil and gas city. Um, one of the posts I actually saw on LinkedIn was asking, is there a future for oil and gas in the net zero world? So I'm curious to get your uh, perspective on that. So I strongly believe there is. But there isn't if we continue on the path that we're on and we don't make, really roll up our sleeves and start to deal with our emissions especially our methane emissions. By not dealing with the methane emissions, it allows the narratives that oil and gas is dirtier than coal. And my big fear is that we're actually going to make the wrong energy decisions for our planet. Our, most of the people on our planet want to have a quality of life. And our sustainability goals want, you know, really believe in having clean energy for everyone. The only way that we can meet that goal is through having clean fossil fuels, some renewables, but reality is our energy demand is so high, it is not realistic that we would just shut in fossil fuel and have all our energy from solar and wind. It's still a very small portion. Even by 2035, 75% of our energy is going to come from fossil fuels. So we have to do this cleaner. We have to do this better. There is no reason why we can't. There's lots of technology, including Quest stores, that will make sure that we do it cleanly. And the thing that makes us dirty right now is methane and our GHG emission footprint. And we can fix that. So if we do those things, look for energy efficiency, we have a bright future in a net zero world. But if we continue to look at moonshots and push, you know, kick the, the stone down the road a bit, we'll run out of time. And, and in that case, we will make the wrong energy decisions for our planet. Oh, that's, that's powerful. Uh, speaking of future, uh, maybe we'll go to the past a little bit. Uh, how has Calgary changed from when you first started uh, to, to where you are today? So when I first started, I first came to Alberta in 1980 as a student working in Brooks, Alberta. And I was working for Pan Canadian. And I was the first female they'd ever put in the field as an operator. So everyone in Brooks knew I was the new girl operator. 
The next summer I came to Calgary and it was boom time. So this is 1981. There was nowhere to stay. So I stayed at the university in residence and it was such a fun time to be in Calgary. And that was my first introduction to the stampede. <laughs> and when, when people knocked on my door and they said, come on, Audrey, you know, it was 11 o'clock. And I, and I was going, no, we should be working. They said, no, 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 we're going to go line up at the Golden Garter. But anyway, it was, it was such a wonderful team building event. Um, I've seen through my career, and of course, I started with golf in 1982. I've seen us go through, through so many cycles. This is a wonderful city to live in. We live so close to the beautiful mountains. That's what I fell in love with. Um, but I think this is a really challenging time for us as a city. We, we have to figure out how, what role we're going to play in the energy transition. But we truly, truly have to change. This isn't about greenwashing and giving it lip service. I think we have an opportunity to be leaders in this space, uh, use our, our smart technical knowledge to, to really make the impact and the difference. Absolutely. Because if, if we don't, we're, we will leave our assets stranded. Capital won't come to this city and, and, and we won't create the great future. Uh, one of the things I'm very, very passionate about is, is, is how we create this great future for young people. So that they have hope and they want to stay here. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, it seems like even with tech, it seems like Calgary is growing at such a fast pace. You see such a big tech hub now uh, from only a decade ago. It's, it's crazy to see how, where Calgary is going to go in the future. Yeah, for sure. What would you say one unique skill that you have that's made you become so successful in your uh, role as a leader and also uh, before in at golf? So it's, it's resilience, but it's also this belief that whatever I'm asked to do, I want to do it to the best of my ability. So I never do anything in half measure. It is always with great passion, no mm. matter what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Resiliency is always a, a trait always brought up on the podcast. I'm always curious though, is it, is resiliency something that's within your DNA or is that something you like learn through the battle scars almost of uh, business and entrepreneurship? What do you, what, what's your perspective on that, Audrey? I think you learn it, right? It, as you can imagine, uh, in, in the, the time that I started my career in oil and gas, not a lot of women. Mm. Not a lot of engine, right? Not a lot of engineers. So the first woman that Texaco actually put at a refinery. Now it's a kind of, it is a funny story, but I was in first year university and they offered me a job at the brand new Texaco Nana Coke refinery. I'm all excited. I'm, I'm one of the only first year students with a real engineering job and it pays well and I'm putting myself through school. Well, it turned out Texaco was getting lots of abuse for not being an equal opportunity employer. And they said, we're going to hire this 16-year-old. There is no way she's going to survive working night shift in the pump house with a whole bunch of guys. Well, I did. Why? Because this, was, this job was important to me. There was lots of places that I could fail. And yes, they teased me a lot. But guess what? I teased back. 
And it ended up being the most amazing summer experience because they made me gauge tanks and walk pipelines and figure out the pumps and the flows. And I was absolutely intrigued. And, and then I started to understand what engineering really was. And then when I got a chance to the next summer to work in the field as an operator, um, yes, I was managing a whole bunch of wells in, in the middle of Brooks, Alberta. Um, but the mechanic said to me, Audrey, we're overhauling this engine and compressor. You don't know anything about engines. Ask them if you can come help us. And I said, oh, they'll never let me do that. I asked and they said yes. And so I got to work with the mechanics for a month. We took apart and overhauled this Waukesha engine and compressor. And it was like, okay. And we had to put it back together again. And I went, okay, now I understand engines. So when you find a door closed or a path not open to you, don't give up. Find some other way that, you know, that you can get to, to the dream that you want to get to. Don't let anyone ever tell you you can't do it. I love that. Yeah. One thing I always say is that there's no, for me personally, there's no such thing as failure, only learning opportunities, either do good or you learn. So that's why I always say, just go for it. You, you never know what's going to happen and just have that resiliency muscle. Like you, you talk about, uh, talking about speaking of resiliency, uh, obviously you've been a leader for 20 plus years now. And, uh, uh, I'm always curious, what sort of challenges have you gone through to, as a leader um, that you could share with the, with the listeners? Well, there's always challenges, right? So whether it's the economic cycle and, and really in, in the field that I chose to be passionate about, which was environment and emissions, the challenges there were how do you influence change? without upsetting your customers. So it was all, you know, how do you tell the story? How do you engage people? How do you help people understand how you can help? Right, so, so that's one challenge. The other is as a, as a young company or a startup working in a field in 1999 called emissions and environment, and no one was really talking about emissions or environment, right? So. As a leader, figuring out how to be strategic in your business and survive. But I'm proud to say that at Quest, we have grown Questor entirely through our cash flow. Wow. We sit in this amazing position, even though we've come through a pandemic with a strong balance sheet, cash in the bank, poised really to help the world deal with the biggest crisis. We've got good technology. We show how we add value through every part of the value chain. And the world finally cares about emissions and environment. But I saw that back in 1999, you know, when my husband said, you know, no, no one's ever going to care. And I said, someday they will. And, and we're at that day now. Oh, yeah, that foresight's really, really inspiring <laughs> to have that vision to see, see, see the future, the world finally aligning with, uh, with your vision. That's, that's remarkable. Uh, speaking of uh, inspiration, what sort of things have you read or listened to that's really inspired you recently? So recently, everyone kept on telling me I should read the book, Start With Why. Mm -hmm. And I, I just... 
I picked it up, actually. I borrowed it from the library as an audiobook. I hadn't done that before, but my whole family was talking about audiobooks. I thought I'd give it a try. And I absolutely loved the book because it, it resonated. That was one of them. And it really talked about being clear on your why. And when you're clear on why, all the other pieces fall into place. The other book was Play Harder. So it talked a lot about entrepreneurs, you know, that were leaders in their field in terms of the way they were thinking. But sometimes they didn't really take it through. So what are the companies that actually make this big impact and create change? What differentiates them from sometimes early inventors, you know, bring an idea, but they don't change the marketplace. So what do you need to be thinking about? And, and really both of those apply so very much to us. Yeah, and I'll link those two books in the uh, podcast notes so our okay. listeners could uh, go check it out. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Simon Sinek. Uh, yeah. I've read that book as well. Uh, I'm curious, what's uh, Audrey's Why? Maybe you could share, share on the podcast. Audrey's Why is to give back. And for me, my big why is really to save lives so that we have this great future for our kids, their kids, and this planet. And that why is someone gave me all these amazing opportunities and gifts. And if I, if I didn't, if I, A, I wasn't grateful for them and I didn't use them, then really those gifts were for naught. And so I, I truly believe that these gifts were given, the, the knowledge in oil and gas was given to me through this amazing career that I had at Gulf. Um, it was really to, to help our, our industry clean up so that we could make sure we have a sustainable future and everyone has clean energy. That's one of our top sustainability goals, whether it's the the young person growing up in Africa, right, who's studying by the light of a candle because they don't have clean electricity, right, all the way to, you know, so as I look across the globe, and I've been very lucky in my career because I've had a chance to travel a lot, speak in a lot of places, work in a lot of places, and, and sometimes I think we forget how lucky and blessed we are to live in Canada. You know, we're this lucky 1% of the world's population. Absolutely. Sometimes it is hard to have that perspective when you're in the hustle and bustle of everyday life with business or just life in general. Sometimes it's just hard to have that perspective. And I love that you say that just to have that remembering of that, hey, we we're in the 1% here. We, we shouldn't be too uh, down on ourselves. But uh, yeah, I love that you had that perspective. You, you talked about having um, help or the people give you those gifts or knowledge. Uh, are you much of a, do you believe in mentors? Have you had any mentors uh, coming up in your career? Oh, my whole life has been mentors. And, and I, I'd like to share probably one of my early ones. So when I was finishing high school, so when we came to Canada, it was very, very tough. It was very tough for my, my mom and dad. And, and we went from tiny Nakuru, Kenya to Toronto. So it was an enormous culture shock. And as I sat in high school, I, I really 
could only see the option of quitting school and working to support my family. And, and I, I was quite brokenhearted about that because I, at that point in, in my life, I really wanted to go to med school and help people through that route. And out of the blue, my uncle showed up from the UK and he's my godfather. And even though I haven't spent a lot of time, I've had this special bond with him. And he sat me down and he said, Audrey, how long have you tried to fix this? And I said, my whole life. And he said, so what makes you think continuing to do the same thing is going to have a different outcome? He said, you're bright. Go get an education. And when you come back, you'll be in a place to really help your family. And it never occurred to me. Then my next thought was, oh, my goodness, I have no money. How am I going to go to university? What would I even take? At the time, I was working at the drugstore. And I was pharmacy assistant. And I had this conversation with the pharmacist because, of course, you know, he, he, was, he was such a great, great guy. And I said, you know, maybe I should become a pharmacist. And that evening, he didn't let me leave the pharmacy till I promised I wouldn't be a pharmacist because he said, <laughs> it's the most boring job. You count the pills for me and I stay here every day and read magazines. So he says, you're not becoming a pharmacist and I won't let you out till you promise me that. So then I decided to go to engineering because I happen to be good at math and science. And Greg said to me, he said, Audrey, you know, we're going to really miss you. We may have an emergency when you're away. We want to pay you a, you know, a, a small retainer every month just in case. Now, I wasn't smart enough then to realize, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to help him out. You know, lucky me. <laughs> I realized now he really, he knew that it was tough for me to go to school and he wanted to make sure that I would be successful. Absolutely. So all through my career, there's all these amazing people that, that give you these words of wisdom. And so I, I, I want to give back that way. I spent a lot of time with young people. I, I sit on the advisory board for the faculty of engineering at, at UC. I do a lot of speaking, um, public speaking with students, uh, you know, lots of advice on careers. And, and so in the same way that I've benefited, I hope that I give a chance to give back that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you're on the podcast to share those uh, teachings <laughs> and wisdom <laughs> to any of our listeners that are students or maybe making a career change or starting their career. What sort of maybe what's one key piece of advice you'd give them uh, to help them have that guidance or success that you've had in your in your career? So probably the most useful thing that I learned early in my career was don't worry about the future. You have no control over it. All you can do is in the moment that you are, the opportunity you have, do that as well as you can to the best of your ability. Give it your 100% and the rest will take care of itself. Don't worry about needing to make the perfect decision. Make a decision. It could be right. It could be wrong, but you'll figure it out. But to your point, Everything that you do is a learning opportunity and it's a skill building opportunity. You, you always build a skill or a strength in your character. 
Absolutely. I love that. Just make a decision. It might be right. It might be wrong, but at the end of the day, you're going to learn and that's going to help guide you through, through your path. What's maybe one common myth about your work, Audrey, that uh, you wish to debunk, debunk on the podcast? A myth about my work. Sorry, I, I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> <Or maybe. laughs> All right, let me rephrase. <laughs> <That's> going, okay. <laughs> maybe a, a common myth about leadership, let's say. Oh. Uh, yeah, that you would like to debunk or add some clarity to. So leaders, I don't believe in necessarily the person at the top. I believe each of us are leaders in their own, in our own way, no matter where you are in the organization, no matter what you do in, in, in your life. Um, so, so, you know, the concept that we'll wait for the CEO to lead us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we get the best out of an organization if we do that. But if we could all have the mindset that I've got an opportunity to make this difference, because that's to me the definition of leadership, right? It's, it's to make the difference, to inspire others to go help make the difference, whatever that happens to be. Mm, that's very powerful. Have that inspiration, inspire people to, to make that difference. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's maybe one question that you never get asked that you wish uh, you would be asked? Hmm. <laughs> I get asked a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure um, too. <laughs> maybe one of the questions, you know, one of the questions really is, you know, what is important when, when you look at your journey? You know, what are your values as you lead your life? I, I think sometimes in our, in our North American culture, you know, I, I think we're busy being very busy. And, and sometimes our sense of success is more around material things. When I get to travel, it, it's, it's, it's quite funny. So, even though I'm, I'm really from India, from a place called Goa, it used to be a Portuguese colony, so that's why I have a Portuguese last name. My, my mother was born in Africa, but my father immigrated to Kenya. So as I grew up in Kenya, I have a bit of an English accent because it used to be a British colony. And of course, I now live in Canada. So as I travel around the world, I, I always find this connection with people. People are all the same all over the world. They really are. Uh, the differences, they're, they're really superficial differences, but at our core, we're, we're very, very similar. And I think sometimes we don't take the time to, to look at that piece of our journey. We don't take the time to stop and listen to someone's story. I drive my family crazy because I'm always talking to people. When we're at the ski hill, my husband will be sitting there going, the lifts have opened, stop talking to people. But I love hearing people's stories and, and the, I learn from their perspectives because I think we all have our narratives because of the journey we've been. There's no right one or wrong one. It just is, is, our, is our narrative from our journey. 
Absolutely. That's why I mean, that's why I started the podcast. I think there's such power in people's stories and uh, you can really learn from the, their story how kind of their character is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I only have a couple more questions here for you, Audrey. Um, what's maybe one thing that you're proud of that we haven't touched on in the interview so far? So one of the things I'm, I'm proud of is, is my kids, mm-hmm. right? And I, I see them turning into these amazing, warm, wonderful people that are thoughtful and kind. And I know that they're growing up in this really hard time, right? We've, we've, our lives are complicated now. We've got this complexity of social media. They're worried about climate change. Now we're worried about this war going on, which, which doesn't seem to have, you know, a, a, an altru- altruistic purpose. It, it seems to be more about a power struggle. And so I, I can, you know, and I can see that that weighs on them. Um, but, but to be able to soldier on and, and try to find their path, I always say to them, it really doesn't matter what you do, so long as you love doing what it is. You have to find what you're passionate about because you spend 80% of your waking time doing that work, whatever it is. So it's got to be something that you love doing. Don't do it for the money because that doesn't last for very long. So I know that they're trying to find their ways and, and uh, but more importantly, the amazing kind people they, they're, they're becoming. Well, when you say follow your passion, I'm so aligned with that. I think, yeah, doing stuff for the money is eventually going to fizzle out just because passion is what drives you forward in thick, in thick times and times of uh, challenges. So having that passion that pushes you forward. So I guess maybe somebody listening, how, how do you find, how do you find your passion or do you have any insight into ways somebody could find their passion? I know it's such a big question, but maybe you have some, some answers to share with the listeners. Well, I don't know if I have an answer, but I can share how my passions have changed over time. And maybe that brings some insight. So when I was very young, I wanted to be a concert pianist. I was so passionate about the piano. Every waking moment, I was playing it in my head or playing it. And then my dad pulled me aside and said, you know, there's no future in music. You need to study math and science. And I was devastated. But then it turned out I was actually kind of good at math and science. And maybe he was right. Maybe, you know, I may not have been as an amazing concert pianist as I turned out to be an engineer. Later on, it was like, okay, I want to go to med school. I have to do this undergrad, but I'm putting myself through school. I have to be really practical. Looks like engineers get jobs. I have no idea what they do, but they get jobs. And and then you need math and science. So my first summer, Texaco hires me. All of a sudden, I'm going, I'm kind of intrigued. It's very logical. And then off that, then I start working for golf. And they were amazing. Like I said, they moved me every couple of years. I was learning. I never actually applied to med school. Then I I get to come to Questor and all this background in oil and gas, which is my client's world, is perfect for me to be able to sit down with my client and go, help me understand the problem you're trying to solve. I'm not looking him with a glazed look going, I have no idea what you're talking about. With all these 
all this opportunity in the first part of my career, I, I'm now in a better position to sit across from him and really be part of his team or her team. So along the way, even at golf, whatever project I was working on, I got named, it got named after me. So when I worked on Goose River, I was Mother Goose, for example. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So I, I think it's it somehow you find your passion if you're open to looking for it, right? And and being willing to to be out there and and to take that risk. And if you work hard at whatever it is, uh, it it always works out. I, it's never failed me by giving something my hundred percent. Mm. I love that. And just try different things too. I'd add to that. Just try different things. You don't know what you like until you try it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't um, overthink it to death because you really won't know till you try it, right? Exactly. <laughs> just go do it. You can always change it if it's not what you thought it was going to be, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, where can our listeners connect with you uh, online, Audrey, if they want to follow up or just connect? So I'm on LinkedIn. I think you can search me there. You can find me off the website at Questor, which is www.questortech.com. My email is a mascarena, so my first initial, my last name at questortech.com. And it's it's uh, I'm very very open, like it, like like I said, to conversation. <laughs> awesome, and yeah, I'll put all those yeah. links in the uh, podcast notes. So you guys, please reach out to Audrey. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, Audrey. It's been yeah, you've had so many golden nuggets, I like to call it. So uh, yeah, just really appreciate you being on the podcast. My pleasure. It's been a lot of fun, uh, as you can tell. I love telling stories, so. <laughs> Lots of great stories. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's the Leadership Podcast. Uh, I like to end the podcast with one last question. Uh, so my last question to you, Audrey, is what does being a leader or leadership mean to you? So it's, it means trying to ins inspire others. It means giving back. It means trying to help the world achieve you know right now it for me is very much saving the planet or saving lives even when it's hard even when everyone says you're crazy uh believing with a conviction that that this is the path just as in 1999 everyone said i was crazy and no one would care about emissions or environment <laughs> look who's look who's laughing now <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Audrey Mask-Rennis, and you're listening to Joe Momo Presents. Thanks again for watching the Joe Momo Presents podcast. For more episodes, check out joemomo.com slash podcasts. All right, see you next time.